you'll take your Bible with me this morning. Thank you so much, Pastor, for having me back and uh, going over that familiar ground. Um, I'm just so grateful to have been here uh, during that time. And uh, I just said hello to a few people this morning. Uh, they got saved that night and or, or the next day, some of them. And I think, Natasha, did you get saved out of that meeting that I think a couple days later, I think the next day she was on her way to work and was like, I can't take this. I got to go to church and get saved. And uh, what a wonderful thing it is to see um, a move of God. And uh, I'm trying to control my emotions this morning. I talk about Austin not being able to uh, testify or sing after that. And so I'm going to go in a little bit of a different direction than what I would probably normally go. And I just feel like the Lord wants me to go here this morning. John chapter 11. John chapter 11, and we'll talk a little bit more about what's going on the last two years sometime in the, during the week, uh, during the rest of the week here, and uh, I hope you came expecting something from the Lord, and I believe that God has something for us very special this morning, and I want to be a help to you, and um, I'll say in a little while how you've been a help to me as a church. John chapter 11. The Bible says in verse number one, now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary that the Lord anointed and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. And what a powerful verse in verse number five. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Boy, what a beautiful song. I've never heard that song we just sang. And it reminds me of Romans chapter eight, what shall be able to separate us from the love of God? Now aren't you glad that God loves you this morning? I'm so thankful that even in Malachi, when Jesus was a, when the Lord was about to close the door for over 400 years and not speak to the children of Israel for over 400 years, one of the last things he said to Israel was, I have loved you, saith the Lord. Jesus is reminding us in the middle of their tribulation, in the middle of their heartache right now, Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and he loved Lazarus. And the Bible says he begins to make this journey into Judea and, and he kind of delays coming to where Lazarus is. And, and the Bible says these things said he after them, verse 11, our, our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death. They thought that he had spoken of him taking and rest. Then Jesus said unto them plainly, here it is, Lazarus is dead. What a statement there. What a, what a shock to these men that he had just told them. Listen, Lazarus is sick and, and they think, they're thinking, well, he's taking a nap. That's great. He's getting some rest. He's, he's, getting, he's recuperating. And he finally says, listen, fellas, Lazarus is dead. 
Bible says they go through this time period and they wait even more days. But I want us to focus in. Look at verse number 17. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had laid in the grave four days already. Now, I don't know how long. The Bible doesn't say how many days was in between here. But he at least had heard that he was sick. So he was still alive. So at least that day and four more days, Jesus delayed. Now, how'd you like to be asking the Lord for something that was life or death? I mean, if he didn't show up right there, it wasn't going to happen. And not only does he not come right away, but he waits four more days to come to where you are. The Bible says he had been laid in the grave for four days already. Now, many of us don't understand this because we're not familiar with Jewish tradition, but according to the Jewish tradition, we, of course, have wakes when we have funerals. Many times we still call them awake, and the old tradition was the family would literally put that person in the living room or the parlor of the home, and they would watch that person, and they would see, are they really, truly passed away? Back in those days, they didn't have the medical things that we have today to be able to detect the heartbeat and even the faintest of heartbeats or brain activity, which most teenagers don't have anyways. But uh, they didn't have those facilities. And so they, they would watch the person and see what would happen. But according to the Jewish tradition, after that third day, the body would begin to corrupt. This is why, by the way, on the third day of the resurrection of Christ, before his resurrection, they came on that third day to anoint his body because that's when corruption, they believed, would set in. And here, not only does Jesus delay coming, not only does he drag his feet and go somewhere else and go through Judea at the time, but he shows up on the fourth day. Surely he knows this tradition. Surely he knows the mindset of these people. He's missed his window of opportunity in their eyes. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off, and many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary and to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she had heard that Jesus was coming, she, she went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. Then Martha said unto Jesus, here's our message this morning. Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know even now that whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, he will give it thee. Then Jesus said, thy brother shall arise again. And she begins to have this conversation with Jesus. Yes, Jesus, I understand. My brother's going to rise again in the resurrection. Yes, he's going to rise again. Then Jesus said, Martha, you don't understand it. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And this conversation ensues here, this almost an argument ensues here between Martha and the Lord Jesus Christ. She said, Lord, I believe it in verse number 27. You're the Christ, you're the son of God. And she stops there and she calls for her sister and she said, she sends word to Mary and says, the master calleth for thee, Mary. 
Then Mary rises up and they think Mary is going to the tomb again to mourn her brother because now it's the fourth day. And her brother is now officially beyond hope. She begins to rise up and the mourners, which is tradition in their culture, they begin to go with her and they were going to weep with her and mourn with her. But she's really coming to Jesus Christ. And the Bible says this, verse 32, and when Mary was come where Jesus was, she saw him, she fell down at his feet saying unto him, here's the next phrase again. Here's that statement again. Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. What a statement. It's almost like these two, Mary and Martha, had this conversation. You ever had a, you ever had a pre-conversation with somebody? Maybe you're talking to your husband and say, I'm going to go talk to that guy and I'm going to say this, this, and this, and this, and this. And yeah, yeah, I agree with that too. Yeah, I'm gonna, if I see them, I'm going to say that same thing. And all of a sudden, Mary hears that he's near, or Martha hears that he's near. She goes to Jesus and she says, Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And then he has this conversation with her and And she says, go send word to Mary. She's got something to say to him too. And Mary comes along and Mary says the same exact thing. Almost like they had rehearsed this conversation with the Lord. And they said, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Can I be transparent with you this morning? I used to read this scripture And almost with animus in my heart, thinking, who are you to get in the face of Jesus Christ and question Almighty God? Who are you, human flesh, that you would rise up from the Son of God, the one that's performed miracles, the one that you've heard teach and preach the Word of God, the one that uh, you've been inspired by uh, to accept him, and here you are now in his face arguing with him, telling him he's disappointed you, telling him if he would have just been there, your brother wouldn't have died. That was my heart of reading that for over 27 years of my salvation. Every time I read that passage. Until a few months ago, there was an evangelist preaching at my home church. And I had gone over this passage, I don't know how many times. And for the first time in my life, I viewed this scripture completely different. Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother hadn't died. I want to talk to you about that for the next 20 minutes or so. Father, we sure do love you. And I sure do need you this morning. Lord, would you help us in Jesus' name? Amen. Hey, Brother Allen, what changed What made you look at this scripture very differently? Well, I guess you'd have to go back to about June 26th of this year, this past year. I was preaching a camp down in Arkansas. And it was one of those camps, Pastor, 
that everything possible was going right. I have, I don't know if I've ever, maybe one of the camp that was actually in Arkansas as well, that I felt like a camp went better than this camp was going right here by the Baker. I mean, it was, it was, they introduced me, preacher. It, 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 the congregational singing itself was just, it was unreal. I'm talking about young people, several hundred young people. It was unreal congregational singing. And then he introduced me. Uh, Brother Luke Bishop introduced me to come. He said, Brother Allen's going to come. He's going to sing. He's going to preach. And I got up and I began to sing. And some of the same songs at the beginning here that I sang, Lord, you're the best thing that's ever happened to me. And it was going wonderful. And when I got up to sing, I went from the piano and I came to the pulpit. Matter of fact, the piano's over here, the keyboard. I got from the piano and I just felt like the Lord told me to just start to sing it about Calvary. And I started to sing about Calvary. And I mean, years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me, he died on Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. And about two songs in, I just, I just felt like the Lord wanted me to sing and lead him in a congregational song, all about the cross and Calvary. And about two songs in, young people started getting up, walking the aisle and getting saved. Before I ever preached and said, open your Bibles, seven young people had already walked the aisle and gotten saved. It was that kind of camp. I preached that night and preached on Noah. And, and at the end of the altar call, seven more young people came down and got saved. It was unbelievable. I got up Tuesday morning. I taught on some different things. I taught on music and other things. And, and boy, it was going great. And then Tuesday afternoon sometime, I said, I'm going to help some hurting people tonight to the several of the pastors there. And they were like, you have no idea. And they didn't tell me anything at the time. And, and I preached on that message. I preached here about uh, three times. I asked the Lord to remove the thorn of my flesh. And he said, my grace is sufficient for thee. And I preached that message that night. And I'm going to tell you, we had an altar call that lasted about, uh, I'm going to guess, uh, an hour and a half. And then afterwards, and young pastor after pastor came up to me and said, Brother Allen, you have no idea what is going on here tonight. He said, this little boy right here on our way here, we found that he was uh, assaulted by uh, somebody at, at knife point, and an older boy. And he said, he said, you have no idea what you've done tonight. And he said, you have helped us. And he said, we had a boy here that had been adopted by a family and his, they were getting a divorce and they were blaming it on him. And he said, the mom and dad split and this little boy will have nowhere to go when he goes home because neither of them want him anymore. He said, you have no idea how you've helped us tonight. It was one of those camps. Everything was going great. I woke up Wednesday morning. Everything was, I mean, it was awesome. I had good rest. My voice was strong. I was going to preach on music again and teach on a little bit there and, and social media maybe that morning. And as I walked to the pulpit at about 1030, I had not gotten reception most of the week. It was just out there in the middle of Arkansas and, and uh, out there, we call it out in the sticks and, uh, and boonies. And, and I hadn't got reception any, uh, most of the week I hadn't got any reception. And as I was walking to the pulpit, from the pew to the pulpit, a text came through. And it was, and my mom just said, hey, your sister had to go to the hospital last night. 
just pray. She's having an issue with this and this and just pray for her. And he said, we're talking to the doctor. She had, she had diabetes and she was dealing with a few kidney issues. And, and uh, he said, that's just, that's what's going on. And she said, uh, just pray for her. And we're talking to this doctor and this doctor to see, they're talking about putting a dialysis port uh, in, uh, up in her upper chest here. And, and uh, just, just pray for your sister. And I was like, okay. I came to the pulpit and I announced, I said, hey, I just got to text my mom. I want y'all to pray. And we're going to pray right here in a minute here, start the service, pray for my sister. And throughout the day, I got a text from my mom and about 12 o'clock or 1230 or so after that session was over. And my mom said, hey, they decided, you know, heart doctor said, great. A kidney doctor said, fantastic. We're going to put a dialysis port in. And everything went fine. And I was like, praise the Lord. Many people asked me the other day, praise the Lord, how's it going? I said, Dallas is poured in. We're good. Praise the Lord. I went to take a nap that night before the service, just get some rest up and then eat something minor before the service started. And I thought I was dreaming when I, I started to hear a knock on the door. And there was a young man that worked for the camp there. And, and I said, well, can I, can I help you? And he said, he said, yeah. He said, you need to go call your wife right now. You need to go call your wife. My first thought was, my kids have burned down my house finally. I got dressed the rest of the way and went over to the chap or the office area there, and I called my wife, and, and my wife said, honey, she said, I don't know how to tell you this. She said, but your sister's gone. And if you've ever gotten news like that, your mind just goes in every direction possible. My sister was 13 years younger than I am, 27 years of age, gone. They had come in and they were doing the first dialysis treatment and I won't go into all the details of that and we're trying to find out and pursue some things and First dialysis treatment, my sister seized, and within 30 minutes, was gone. And your mind, and I'm thinking, I'm in Arkansas, I've got to get on the plane, I've got to, and thank you so much. Um, I owe a debt of gratitude to Pastor Fury. He was one of the first men I contacted. And I've never had a pastor do anything like this. He just basically texted me his credit card information and said, whatever you need to do to get home, you just get home. And let me say, I, I will be forever indebted to you because of that message that you sent me. And I began to get home and I went to Minnesota and my mother asked me to preach the funeral. And to be honest with you, I was like, I don't, if there's one funeral I don't want to preach, it's, it's this one. In my heart, I was like, please don't ask me. I just want to sit down and I just want to grieve. My mom eventually asked me to do that funeral. And, and then here we fast forward several months later. And I'm sitting in church and this evangelist is up here. And he's reading this passage. And for the first time in my life, I don't get irritated with Mary and Martha. For the first time in my life, 
I understand Mary and Martha. For the first time in my life, I don't see their irritation. I see their brokenness. Because now here I am sitting here, now having lost a sibling myself, and reading this passage, and I was sitting in church that morning, and tear, uh, that, after, uh, that evening, Wednesday evening service, and tears began to flow on my face, and I said, I get it now. And I felt almost like, preacher, I needed to apologize to Mary and Martha for all those years of being irritated at them. Because now here I was in a place of, Lord, if you'd have just been there, this would be totally different. And can I say to you this morning, if you have never had a Lord, if you had been here moment in your life, you will. You will. Lord, if you'd been there, some of you might say this morning, my husband wouldn't have walked out on me. Lord, where were you when that happened? Lord, if you'd have been here, there'd be no report of cancer, and I would have never gotten that call if you would have just been there. Lord, if you would have been there, I wouldn't have lost that child. And I know, and by the way, you notice in the story, Mary and Martha never questioned God's ability to heal. He never questioned and said, Jesus, uh, you couldn't heal him and you were impotent and you had no power. They never questioned his ability to heal. They never questioned his ability to do a miracle. They questioned his timing and his purpose. And I'm talking to a group of people here today that say, yes, I believe in God. And yes, Jesus Christ is my Savior. But that does not exempt us from hurt. That does not exempt us from struggling. That does not exempt us from not understanding God and why he does what he does and why his timing is the way that it is. And everybody under the sound of my voice this morning, you're going to have that moment in your life, whether you're a young person and you've not lived much of life yet and you don't understand even what an older person and they may hear a song and they'll weep about it or they hear a message and you don't understand it right now. But let me tell you, one day, one day, you'll understand Mary and Martha more than you've ever had. Lord, if you'd have been here, I wouldn't have gotten COVID. Lord, if you had been here, I wouldn't have buried my husband. wouldn't have buried my wife. Lord, if you'd been here, I wouldn't have to deal with a parent or a spouse dealing with Alzheimer's or dementia. Lord, if you'd have been here, I wouldn't have to deal with rejection. If you'd have been here, I wouldn't have lost my business and lost my job and lost my reputation. Lord, if you would have just been here, things would be so different. If you'd have just been here. I want you to notice some things in this story this morning. I want you to know that by the time this story is done, 
I want you to know, first of all, and I'm, I'm saying, just mention these points very quickly this morning. I want you to know that the sisters did wander. And by the way, if you've got questions for God this morning, God is not intimidated by your questions. God is not hurt by your questions. Do you notice nowhere in this story does Jesus rebuke these women and say, you bunch of reprobates, you bunch of sinners, how dare you question me? God is not intimidated, nor is he disappointed, nor is he discouraged by your questions. He understands that you are only flesh and you are a temporary being. The Bible says he remembers that we are only dust. God is not bothered by your questions this morning. And if you're sitting here this morning saying, yes, I've got questions about the Lord and I've got questions about my life and what has happened. Maybe you were abandoned at birth and maybe your mother and father have never taken care of you. Maybe you were abused as a child. Maybe you live in a situation where you're not even at home right now and you don't understand what's going on in your life and you've been forsaken maybe by a spouse and you don't know what the future holds. Well, let me tell you this morning, God is not bothered by your questions. The sisters wandered. And in the midst of the sisters wandering, I want you to notice this. The Savior wept. The Savior wept. You'll find in the scripture here, if you read the passage of scripture, you're going to find this. Jesus wept. And then the people said, oh, how he must have loved Lazarus. Well, I'm going to tell you, he did love Lazarus. We know that from verse number two and three. He loved Lazarus. But Jesus was not weeping for Lazarus. Lazarus was in paradise. Jesus was weeping for Mary and Martha. And do you understand this morning that there is a God in heaven? The Bible says he's a man of sorrow. He's acquainted with grief. He knows what you're going through. And if you've got a broken heart or you've got a heavy heart or you've got sickness in your body this morning, God is a God that weeps with you. He says he remembers our tears. The Bible even says he puts our tears in a bottle. What's he going to do with that bottle? I don't know. But I know this, I have a God in heaven that is mindful of my tears. He knows about your broken heart this morning. He knows about you, those of you that cried yourself to sleep last night. He knows of you that are brokenhearted. He knows those of you that don't know what the future holds. Or maybe you live in a home where there's drugs and there's violence and there's cussing and swearing. And you feel like nobody loves you at certain times. Let me tell you this morning, there's a God in heaven and that God loves you. He loves you more. Than you could ever imagine. And he grieves with you. He says come unto me. All ye that labor. And are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. You know why? Because in that yoke with him. He says take my yoke upon you. And learn of me for I am meek and lowly. Because in that yoke, you're going to find a closeness with God like you've never known in your entire life. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, and we focus on the first part. And I love revival, and I love that part, Pastor, that says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. That's what we want this week. We want the power of God to fall, but it doesn't stop there. It says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. 
And I tell you this morning, there is a fellowship amongst the suffering. Pastor Tom Bishop, we've talked about him. He's a friend of mine. Do you know there's some people that he can minister to that I'll never be able to minister to? Because there is a fellowship of suffering with amputees that I could never sympathize with. I can say I've sprained my leg, I've sprained my knee, I've had a, a, some partially torn meniscus, but I can never enter in to that fellowship of suffering like Tom Bish can with somebody else. I can never consult with somebody that has cancer like Miss Joanne. I can never do it. I can talk about some sicknesses I have, but there is a fellowship to the suffering. But I'm going to tell you, there's a somebody called Jesus Christ, and he knows about all our struggles, and he enters into a fellowship with the suffering. The Savior wept. I want you to notice this. There was a day where the sinner walked. Lazarus got up. I'm thankful that the saints worked. Not only did Lazarus get up, but Jesus said, hey, I need some people to help him. Aren't you glad that in the midst of your suffering, God has sent some people to help you? You're glad you've got a church. And by the way, that's why we ought to come to church. Because there's some folks here that, when they, listen, you might be resurrected, but you've still got to lose them and let them go. There's still some folks in your life. You've got a pastor and a staff, and you've got fellow church members, and you've got people in the church that love you and care about you and pray for you. Aren't you glad that the saints are working on your behalf to loose you and let you go from your burdens? Jesus said something very strange to these people. He said this sickness in verse number four is not unto death, but for the glory of God. Do you know the difference here? Two sisters came to him. Now, don't miss this. Here's the whole message. Two sisters came to him, both with the same questions. But one, he just simply ended the conversation and moved on. The other one, he weeps and he raises Lazarus from the dead. What's the difference between these two sisters? Here it is. Here's the entire message. One of them got in his face. The other one got at his feet. Same heartache, same burden, same brother dead, same days of mourning, but one got in his face. And said, if you would have been here, well, I am the resurrection. I know my brother's going to live again. Well, listen, I am the resurrection. Well, I understand all that. You're the Christ that should come into the world. Blah, 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 blah. But that other sister, there was something different about her. She didn't get in his face. She simply fell at his feet. And she had the same question. She had the same position. But she had an entirely different disposition. 
And I'm telling you this morning, there's some people that are going through silent struggles, even in this room right now. Maybe you've buried loved ones. Maybe you're facing financial distress. Maybe you're facing a home situation that nobody else knows about. Maybe something happened to you years ago and it's still plaguing you and you're still burdened and heartache about it from years ago. But I'm going to tell you today, the best thing you could ever do was instead of getting in the face of God and questioning him in anger and questioning him in frustration, the greatest thing you could do was bow your knee and get on your face and get at his feet. Draw closer to him than you ever have in your life. That's the difference between these two sisters. One got at his face. One got at his feet. You see, Mary was used to getting at his feet, though. You'll find in, in Luke chapter 11, this is John chapter 11 that we're in, you'll find in Luke chapter 11 is the first time where Jesus comes into their house. And you remember that story where Martha is cumbered about so many things and she's going here and she comes to Jesus and say, oh, get, tell Mary to get up. Tell Mary to help me. I'm frustrated. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? I'm frustrated. I don't know what's going on. People are dropping out. People are getting sick. We got a revival going on. And we got this person and this person out. And we got to change this and change that. And the weather's bad and all these different things. And you said, man, you got to get her up. We need help out here. And Jesus said, oh, no, no, no. Mary had chosen that good part. You can never go wrong staying at the feet of Jesus, my friend. You've chosen the good part. Say, I don't understand him. You don't have to understand him. Get at his feet. Well, I'm not happy with what happened. You don't have to be happy about what happened or your circumstances right now. Your job is to get at his feet. And everything will change when you get at his feet. I mentioned, by the way, that's... (laughs) Can, 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 can a time out here? That's how we're going to have revival. You, you said it more plainly than could ever be said in Sunday school. Revival is going to happen at his feet. You're not going to get revival getting in God's face about what's going on in Canada and the United States. You're going to have revival by getting at his feet. Mary was at his feet there. She's at his feet right here. And it's amazing because at the beginning of this chapter, Pastor, it mentions a scenario that doesn't even happen until the, the chapter after this. It said it was that same Mary that anointed him. It's amazing how God mentioned that twice. It didn't even happen yet. Because in chapter number 12, you read those first few verses. That's where we find Mary at his feet again, anointing him. Do you know why she was anointing his feet there? Because when she got at his feet before, she saw the dead raised. And this time she was just coming to worship. She knew something about getting at his feet. I mentioned my mother. We're just about done this morning. I mentioned my mother. We got into my mother has a great pastor, Independent Baptist Church. He's a great preacher and faithful man of God for 20 some years in the city of Minneapolis, Minnesota. We met with him after that morning service. I went up there that weekend and Tried to be as help to my mother as I possibly could. My mom and my sister were, were roommates together. They lived together. And I eventually did get a flight out. The camp actually ended up paying for the flight and changing and all that kind of stuff. And ended up going up that Friday, driving up. And 
just trying to be his help as best I could to my mother who was just broken. And my younger brother was two years older than my sister, just broken. We spent those days together and Sunday after morning service, we were meeting with a pastor. And I, I, I mentioned before, I was hoping that she would say, well, we'll let Pastor Paul, tell, we'll let Pastor Paul, they call him Pastor Paul, we'll let him do it and you just, you maybe sing something or say something. And we walked into there that day and, and my mom, and he said, well, you guys have any plans? And my mom said, well, I want Calvin to preach. And, my, and honestly, I, I love to minister to people. We were talking about that this morning, but my heart just sunk. I was like, if I've ever wanted, and you understand this, those of us that minister, you don't get to grieve the same way. You've got to kind of put your things to the side and you get to grieve later. And I thought, man, I just want to sit down. And my mom said, I want to preach. And I was like, I'll do it. I'll do it, mom. I got it there that day and Man, God's grace was so sufficient. And Pastor, I, I, felt, I felt like the, the Holy Spirit was so thick in that place. I, I felt like I was on the front row watching myself preach. That, that's how thick the Holy Spirit was in that room. My mom that everybody thought was going to be beside herself, my mom was comforting everybody else. My sister was saved. My brother saved. My mom saved. We all know the Lord. I stood up that day and I said, listen to me, folks. I said, I don't feel sorry for my sister. I feel sorry for some of you that will never see her again. And I said, some people say in this room today, well, Calvin lost his sister. And listen to me. I said it then. I'll say it now. I did not lose my sister. You only lose something when you don't know where it is. I know exactly where she is. Matter of fact, I'm headed there in a little while. And I, I mean, I, I have never felt a liberty like I felt that day. And honestly, I began to preach and I began to preach and the power of God fell on that place. And I got to the invitation time. We couldn't, we had a bunch of people. I was just going to do it funeral style, just out loud. If you want to accept Christ, you can pray with me. And I said, every head I preached, I didn't want to be there anyway, Brother Cody. I just preached, I just preached straight I mean, they got two barrels of the shotgun, just boom. I didn't want to preach. I didn't want to be there. I began to preach, and some of my family had heard me preach multiple funerals. They would never move, never respond, never anything. I began to preach, and I could tell the Lord was moving. And I said, every head, body, body, close. I said, if you want to get saved, I said, I want you to raise your hand right now. You understand you're saying you want to be saved. Hands went up everywhere. And I said, they didn't understand me. I said, put your hands down. I said, if you want to get saved, I mean, I mean, I mean, forsake your religion. I mean, forsake your good works. I'm talking about, listen, you're not just getting some lucky rabbit's foot. You are getting Jesus Christ. He is the savior. There's no other way. You are a hell bound sinner. I said, if you want to get saved, raise your hand. Hands went up all over the place. I said, if you want to get saved, I said, you, you, you can pray something like this and call the name of the Lord. He'll save you right now where you sit. All of a sudden, I began to pray, and I could hear all over that auditorium was packed out. People started getting saved. And I said, if you meant that and you got saved, 
I said, you raise your hand. You're not trusting Jesus. You're not, you're not you're trusting Jesus. You're not trusting the church. You're not trusting baptism. You're not trusting me saying so. You're trusting Jesus Christ who died on the cross for your sins. You are turning by faith to him and trusting him as his shed blood can wash away your sin. I said, raise your hand. And they raised their hands all over the place. And I started to count, Pastor. And I got so emotional that I couldn't even count. It's just blurry. And my buddy, who used to sing with the faith man, he was there that day. He was in the back. And he said, he came with me after the service. And he said, Calvin, he said, I counted 40 hands. You see, God was saying, this sickness is not unto death. It's for the glory of God. I believe 40 people will be in heaven someday because I didn't get in God's face, but my family collectively got at his feet, said, oh God, would you use us? By the way, I looked over to my right here and my sister's dad had his hand up. We've got different dads. He had his hand up getting saved at his daughter's funeral. Next to him was my sister's grandmother raising her hand that she got saved at her grandbaby's funeral. My sister's best friend got saved. I had family members who wouldn't, I mean, they would never respond. And as soon as I said to be saved, their hands went up so fast, it looked like a rocket. My mom's boss was there and got saved. My mom's boss's boss was there and got saved. My mom, my mom was there. We're done this morning. My mom said when she came back to work about a month later, they let her take some time. She works for the courthouse and she came to work about a month later and her boss's boss's boss, three or, three or four levels up there. And she works for a lot of district attorneys and so forth. Her boss's boss's boss came to her and he said, Miss Regina, he said, can I ask you something? My mom said, sure. She said, your son, Calvin, he preached your, your daughter's funeral. And she said, well, yes, it did. He said, is it recorded anywhere? my mom thought that's a strange question is it recorded she said well I think it is the church live streamed it and he said great he said because everybody's walking around talking about how they know for sure they died they go to heaven and I want to know that God can take whatever has happened in your life God can take what you're going through right now, sir. Ma'am, what you are facing right now, if you'll just get at his feet, you're going to find that there is hope and there is help with Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it be good this morning to start off our revival clearing up all that hurt and all those questions and get at his feet? I don't understand why God does what he does any more than you do. But I know this. There's a God in heaven that loves me just as much as he loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And there's a God that doesn't mind my questions. There's a God that's not intimidated by my doubts and fears. The news came to Jesus. Please come fast. Because Lazarus is sick, and without your help, he will not last. Mary and Martha watched their brother die. They waited for Jesus, but he did not come, and they wondered why. 
The death watch was over, buried for days. Somebody said he'll soon be here. Lord's on his way. Martha ran to him and then she cried. Lord, if you had been here, you could have healed him. He'd still be alive. But you're four days late and all hope is gone. And we don't understand why you've waited so long. But his way is God's way, not yours or mine. And isn't it great when he's four days late, he's right on time. Jesus said, Martha, Show me the grave. But she said, Lord, you don't understand. He's been there four days. The gravestone was rolled back. Then Jesus cried. Lazarus, come forth. Then somebody said, he's awake. He's alive. You may be fighting a battle of fear. You've cried to the Lord, I need you now. He's not yet appeared. But don't be discouraged, because he's still the same. He'll soon be here. He'll roll back that stone and he'll call out your name. But he's four days late. No hope seems gone. And we don't understand why he's waited so long. But his way is God's way. Not yours or mine. And isn't it great when he's four days late, he's right on time. You've got a decision to make. You can get in his face about your upbringing. I can get in his face. I don't even, I don't even know who my daddy is or where he is tonight. If I met him face to face, I wouldn't know who he was. And I could get in God's face. But years ago, I've decided to get at his feet. I was preaching a bus kid camp one time with 240 bus kids. Most of them didn't know who their daddies were either. God put me in that place to use my Lazarus to bring life to those kids. And 41 of them trusted Christ that week at camp. God is always good. Let's get at his feet. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. God, I thank you so much for your grace and mercy. Thank you, Lord, for how you worked and even through tragedy. There's people in this room that could testify of how you have worked in their lives. But God, there may be some people here that are hurting this morning. They've got sickness. They've lost loved ones. Maybe it's their upbringing. Maybe there's a bus kid here this morning that's going through things that we couldn't imagine. Thank you, Lord, that you are mindful of us. 
But Lord, help us not to get bitter. Help us not to get angry. And Lord, would you start a revival of trusting you and getting at your feet this morning? We love you so much, God. Thank you in Jesus' name. I wonder if you're here this morning. It's kind of a different invitation. But I wonder how you, if you say this morning, but I've trusted Christ as my personal Savior. I've done that. Would you raise your hand? Would you signify that by a raised hand? I've trusted Christ as my own personal Savior. All across this room, hands are raised. You may put them down. I wonder if there'd be any this morning that said, Brother Alan, I don't know for sure if I'm saved. I don't even know Christ as my personal Savior. You talked about helping those people trust him. Would you pray for me that I could trust Christ? I wonder if that's you this morning. Brother Alan, that's me. Is there anybody like that this morning? Will you signify that by a raised hand? I won't call you out. I don't even know your names, but I will certainly pray for you. Thank you. I appreciate your hand. Anybody else join that one that raised their hand? I need to trust Christ as my own personal Savior. We sure would love to take the word of God and show you how to be saved. Christians here, I wonder if you just want to get at his feet this morning. As the pastor comes and extends the rest of this invitation, I pray that you'll just mind the Lord and get at his feet.